Bingo bango, we got another podcast, a special treat for everyone today. Simon and Martina, if you haven't heard of them, very successful, very popular YouTubers living in Tokyo, Japan, originally from Toronto. We're going to talk about mental health, depression, pain management, living with EDS. If you don't know what EDS is, you're really in for a treat. This podcast is covering everything. We have an awesome time. We're going to share some laughs. Just, just just wait until you see these two personalities at work. These people are incredible. Enjoy. Love you all. Here we go. Welcome, everyone, to Depression to Expression. My name is Scott, and today we have Simon and Martina on the channel and the podcast today. All of their links are in the description below. All of my links are in the description below. If you want to listen, if you want to watch, it's all there for you. Simon. I just realized we should have put a nicer light on us. If people are meeting us for the first time, Perhaps we're all I should have put shaded <laughs> in the dark. Let us talk about you, depression. You don't understand. Like I literally got here five minutes ago because we've been in meetings all day long and editing all day long. And I rushed over here and I'm greasy. I had physiotherapy this morning. Like, oh, this is like a hot mess happening. You guys look great. What are you talking about? And we're going to keep all this in, by the way, too. This is fantastic. No yeah. problem. We put up lots of footage where we're just, you know, being ourselves. But Simon is going to awkwardly uh, set up lighting while you It'll do be that. Quick. So. I, we, we got quick lights. Oh my gosh. Well, I like, it's 8 a.m. I'm going to tell you, I woke up at like 7. So my eyes are still bloodshot. We're looking natural. This is, this That's is the story the- for you. I hate waking up in the morning. It's like a real struggle. It is, eh? What time do you usually get up? Um, if I can, I think I naturally wake up. Well, I wake up, I don't sleep well, you know, so I sleep, I wake up all the time. But generally, I'm awake around 10, just before 10, maybe. Oh, that's okay. Yeah, not too bad. We've met people. I'm sure you've known people that wake up, you know, only in the afternoons. Neither like yeah, 1 I, o'clock p.m. people. Yeah, I, 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 I used to be us because we would stay up till like 5 a.m. working and we had no like work-life balance. Um, and then, oh, what happened? Oh, 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 hello there. Excuse me. Look at us. What's happened here? Decent. Oh man! Now there's the there's the people there's the face people recognize. Oh. <laughs> and now we're gonna talk about depression. <laughs> oh man, you guys look fantastic. You still did when we started. Come on now, come on. So uh, let's keep this going. You know, I'm gonna keep all of this anyways. This is this yeah, is no problem. Yeah. Uh, Simon and Martina, thanks so much for joining. Now. They are a married couple. For those of you who don't know them, please check out all their links in YouTube channel. They're, it's amazing. They're a married couple from Canada. Originally, Toronto, yeah. yeah. I just want to show you guys. Can we see? Yeah. Remember home? Look at home. Remember oh this. Oh, my God. Right. There it is. There's oh. your uh, island airport over there, right? Wow. wow. Oh, we miss you here. We miss you. But my sister yeah. lives in the fashion district. Oh, that's super close. And yeah. I see you guys rocking the, the Blue Jays hats and the Canada shirts. We've been yes. following the Raptors. Every morning we get yes. up at 9 a.m. to play. What? We have to watch basketball at 9 in the morning. It really takes away yeah. from the vibe of watching a we basketball game, being groggy <laughs> with like eye crusties and the everything, jamas. but we're dedicated. Right. Does it, because like if, if then the team loses in, in the morning, you have to kind of go through that the rest of the day and you're feeling you like that loss. With that. You got to imagine that, like, at night, you can go to bed. All around me are familiar. Yeah. yeah. It's like walking through the day, you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's a good, uh, good video topic. So you guys have, are living in Tokyo now. You used to live in Korea for over seven years. Right. Are now in Tokyo. Uh, you make weekly videos about, 
let's just say anything and everything, but a lot revolves around food, yeah. also mm-hmm. around mental health too. Um, even mm-hmm. one of your latest videos that I watched, you talking about working out and, and how you have to think about, yes, it's, it's for health, but then you're also in the back of your mind. It's like, well, I'm not getting buff enough. And there's all this comparison thinking with social media. So it's really mm-hmm. interesting how you can take um, a regular vlog and spin it every which way it's amazing and then you also you. talk about the chronic pain uh, martina that you deal mm-hmm. with ellers down danlos syndrome syndrome it's a mouthful e d s, s. <laughs> consequently uh it's like there's a really famous pop singer i think it's ed shireen or something and his like hashtag is eds so whenever you look it up, it's like people talking about chronic pain. And then suddenly there's like a photo of a dude. And they're like, I love his recent album, hashtag EDS. Oh so I'm like, my don't gosh. Know no, it must be his middle name is some, excuse me, something with a D. Yeah, I'm not sure who it is. It's just that like we're really out of the loop when it comes to uh, pop artists from North America. America We're we're, we're really out of it. Guys, I envy you. And I live in North America and I'm still out of it. I I choose to. Yeah, Ed, Ed Sheeran's yeah. one. And then you have like uh, the new hip hop artists that are coming out that just, I don't understand. I just don't. Yeah, I grew up listening to hip hop. I don't know what is happening with uh, hip hop nowadays. I like to believe that it's not me getting old, but everybody getting worse. Uh, but my brother, who is a lot older than me, used to say the same thing. So I think it's just a sign of the times. Mm-hmm. I know. And now we're understanding our parents or grandparents are like, back in my day, I'm like, yo, mom, dad, times are changing. But now I'm like, what happened to Biggie Smalls and Tupac? And I'm like, I'm turning we're into that guy. We're discussing uh, how everyone puts out singles, but there's no longer full albums. Yeah. Like, we're really big music fans. So we're always, like, looking for new music. And right. it's always, like, a single. And we're looking for a full album to really dig into. But mm-hmm. we're also part of that cassette tape CD generation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We love yeah. going to HMV, you know, and looking for something and, like, mm-hmm. listening to it. So, yeah, Are we, there, can't, we can't allow ourselves to get old. Right? Does HMV exist anymore? Because I remember on Young Street downtown, it was like the biggest one in Canada or whatever. Yeah, and that one in our down. neighborhood. <laughs> I was about to ask, like, where do you go for music? They have HMVs. But Are it's mostly for records here. Records. Yeah. Records, yeah. records. Japan's really big on keeping, mm-hmm. they mix uh, digital and analog is something mm-hmm. I really enjoy. So while they are quite up to date with technology, like our phones have mm-hmm. our bus passes. Mm-hmm. We were laughing about all the, the problems in Toronto with like that card. Meanwhile, yeah. like it's just such a big normal thing. I pay, I didn't use cash today at all. Yeah. I like paid for my taxi. I paid for my food. I got my coffee. I got my smoothie. Like I just got all my, everything looks the train, mm-hmm. you know, but then people walk around with like cassette tapes and you're like, what? Right. There's like this kind of balance between people freestyling you know, the park with boom boxes and break dancing, <laughs> like over cardboard like, and don't, whatnot. So analog and digital kind of, are born together here, I think, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, that's really interesting because the, the first question I want to ask you guys, and again, let's just keep it organic and flowing like we are. Mm-hmm. It's how do you, how did you go from, where did you grow up in, uh, in Canada? Um, I'm from Pickering originally. I say Toronto because not a lot of people know Pickering, but I yeah. think you might know Pickering. Yeah. Yeah. Hope so. Of course, of course I know Pickering. Of course. Yeah. Nice, man. And Martina, where, what about you? In Etobicoke. Yeah. Okay, so you were left... You were right. I'm, I'm yeah. in the middle. That's amazing. Yeah, we well, I was in each other at U of T. So that mm-hmm. was our like middle ground is downtown mm-hmm. campus. Yeah. yeah. Got it. Okay. And I'm from Newmarket. I'm sure you know Newmarket. Sure mm-hmm. did. Yeah. 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 I have family in Newmarket. 
Hey, oh my gosh. Um, So how did you go from, or how and why did you go from living in Toronto and then to Korea for seven years and then to Tokyo? I'm amazed how people can make that switch. And it's not like you move from Toronto to New York. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's like to Korea and then to Tokyo. It's Mm -hmm. a complete switch in culture and everything. Uh, Why did you make the change? What was the motivation? Well, we we did our Bachelor of Education. uh, So we both have our high school teaching degrees for Canada. Mm -hmm. And so our original goal, like both my parents were high school teachers and we were going to work in Canada. And at the time, and it still is now, it's very tough to get a job as a teacher. Sure is. Um, So even though you finish a degree and you've done your placements and you're like ready to go, you end up being like a substitute teacher or so. And Simon worked in North York and he worked in K-Town and he was really getting to know Korean culture. And I was visiting him and his boss and we were eating mm-hmm. food. And I was like, this is really cool. And all the students that I taught, they were Korean students and they were great. They, were they awesome. like raised their hands and did their homework and like weren't disrespectful. So we figured why not go to a country full of Korean students? Yeah. And it was awesome. It was a, great idea. It was a really good idea. Like do the international school circuit. And so we were going to go to Korea and then, mm-hmm. And we'd get some experience there and then we'd go to maybe Japan enter mm-hmm. the international school then mm-hmm. maybe do France Croatia like whatever we go around the, the plan world, was supposed to be know. Korea for one year and then Japan the next year yeah but we really liked teaching in we Korea uh, for a bit um, but at the same time we started doing uh, YouTube videos for our family because uh, we couldn't use iPhones for FaceTime because it was blocked in Korea. Yeah, it didn't exist yet. Yeah. It was 2008. There were mm-hmm. no smartphones yet. Oh, right. Smartphones. Yes. Right. And so the YouTube came out. Right. And it was a free platform and there was no ad revenue. But we mm-hmm. thought, well, why don't we just put up some videos to show our parents that we're okay? Because mm-hmm. there was no information about our town. And mm-hmm. we thought we were going to live in a tiny town and we were living in a massive one million person city. Yeah. And yeah. we were just like, whoa. And, you know. So we started putting up these videos and then people online, strangers started saying, I'm moving to the city soon. This mm-hmm. really helped me out. Right. So we just started kind of like realizing that we were teaching almost like online mm-hmm. where we were showing people how to use their tea money card or how to use the rice cooker and how to recycle because the recycling rules are different. Yeah. And when you arrive in Korea, you're really just tossed in. Like the school doesn't know what it's like to um, deal or help somebody with culture shock because they've never dealt with culture shock. Mm-hmm. Like most of them have never left the country. They don't even know what jet lag is. You know. So you Whoa. arrive and they're like, you can teach the next day. And we're like, what? It's mm-hmm. like a 14 hour flight. Mm-hmm. And it's like the, you know, so yeah. that kind of stuff. But in the meanwhile, we were doing these videos and more and more people started watching them. Yeah. And then after two years, YouTube uh, said, hey, uh, there's this thing called ad revenue. We're going to start it out. We're going to start it out. And, you know, for the first few years, we didn't make any money off of it because it was just fun to make YouTube videos. Yeah. Uh, and then we decided that we could quit our, like I would quit my job teaching and First, try yeah, uh, seeing how big our YouTube channel could grow while Martina uh, was a sugar mama and kept on working. Um, and our first month paycheck was $5 Ooh, and I thought what? we made a terrible mistake. You gotta go back <laughs> home. Yes. Um, but we're lucky and then the channel grew and it grew to the point that Martina could quit her job mm-hmm. and then we could start hiring staff and we could open a studio and yeah. we could open a coffee shop and we could start doing like tours around the world and like things started going really, really well until after around seven years, we realized, hey, we might not ever leave 
Korea. Like we have no reason to. We have you know, right. no reason. Things are going yeah. really well. We are enjoying what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And I said, like, I love Korea, but I still have always wanted to live in Japan. Mm-hmm. Like it's a bucket list for me because I grew up with Japanese neighbors mm-hmm. and we always influenced each other with like what we were doing. Mm-hmm. She would like make me Japanese food and I would mm-hmm. learn about manga and she'd mm-hmm. bring me toys back from Japan. Like since mm-hmm. I was three, yeah. I said, I really want to experience this. Yeah. And so we decided, all right, next year, we're pulling up everything and we're just going to move to Japan. And Sell it all. And we discussed it. We said we might lose our audience. Yep. That could be it because we thought people might be really into K-pop or, mm, yeah. Korean, or like our food videos yep. or we would do indie reviews. Mm-hmm. And we said, that's it though. This is our life mm-hmm. and we're not going to do something that's like holding us back. So we're, we're going to follow yeah. the things that are calling to us. We're going to yeah. follow our passions and not necessarily make videos just for money's sake, yeah. which a lot of people get stuck in on the YouTube cycle. They yeah. find something that works and they'll do it until they die. Yeah. 100%. Um, and uh, one of the messages that we have also is like for people to be um, brave enough to move overseas because it is very scary yeah. to like say goodbye to your family and friends mm-hmm. and we did it once and then we thought, hey, we've been doing this for seven years. Let's try to show people that we could still do it, especially because we have so much yeah. more at stake here now yeah. in Korea. And when we first um, decided to move, we had only just recently opened up about my condition. Yeah. So I hadn't really talked to my audience about EDS and we hadn't really discussed how it was affecting me sure. uh, because it was such an unknown condition that everyone just said like, you know, oh, you're flexible and you know, oh, you might have a couple of dislocations, but we didn't yeah. realize like the creeping depression and the pain that was happening because yeah. of my daily pain. Mm-hmm. You, like you don't realize that you can be yourself, but chronic pain is its own like secondary thing in your body. Mm-hmm. And it can really drag you down and it can tell you horrible things and mm-hmm. it can make you feel crappy. And when you try to pinpoint it, mm-hmm. you look around and you go, well, I'm happy with my husband. Yeah. I love my pets. I love my job. Why do I feel this way? Right. Like, why do I feel so down? Mm-hmm. And so in our last couple of years in Korea, we started to see a counselor and I started to go to physiotherapy. And mm-hmm. then my doctor, mm-hmm. unfortunately, um, my pain was starting to become like off the charts, unmanageable. like unmanageable. Mm-hmm. And so he put me on uh, tramadol, right? Yes. Opioids. Opioids. Okay. Um, a really high dosage right off the bat. And I had never taken anything at this point. Like I had okay. been trying to you know, combat it on its own. So he put me at a uh, 300 milligrams. Yeah. It started off small and it didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. And it was my first time in my life to be pain-free. And I, and I never knew what that meant because when you're born with chronic pain, it's your baseline. Like mm-hmm. it's normal. Right. right. So I woke up one morning and I slept through the night. Mm-hmm. I, cause my shoulders subluxes and dislocates my jaws and my hips. So when I sleep, everything comes out. Right. So I'm constantly waking up. Uh, it's, it's impossible to get like a full night's sleep without mm. medication, like sleep wow. medication. Right. Um, and sleep medication means that you're sleeping hard and you wake up with pain, but at mm. least you slept. Right. So it's this weird cycle of like three days of no sleep. Third day I have to sleep with medication mm-hmm. so that I can get sleep back. And then I go back to three days of no mm. sleep. Um, so I woke up and I went, Oh my God, like, I don't feel any pain. Like I got out of bed. It was like, this incredible feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I was back to being who I was all the time mm-hmm. because when you have depression, it's like, you're not sure if you're depressed and if that's who you are mm-hmm. or if the person that you used to be is who you are. You're, right. you're not sure who that is anymore. How do you identify like where, what is your you know, baseline? Like I thought I was social, but depression will let you know that you're not. Mm-hmm. Depression will convince you that you shouldn't go out and you mm-hmm. shouldn't call your friends and that you're, you know, this kind mm-hmm. of thing. So right. it was all gone. 
And, and then my stomach lining started to like bleed and the, it was too much. My stomach was like, I was taking stomach medication too. And uh, we decided finally, like, I got to go off this because my doctor's like, you're starting to bleed too much. Mm-hmm. It's getting dangerous. And so I called him up. It was like just before Christmas. And yeah. I said, this is really too much. My stomach cramps are off the charts. And he said to me, okay, please stop taking it. He didn't tell me that there is a withdrawal period. You got to wean off of it slowly. What uh, doc? He, let me, what doctor is this? I know. Who yeah, the, is the this standard, person? Um, was this in? Yeah. Sorry, was this in Tokyo? This, this is, is in Korea. Korea. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. still in Korea. Okay, and and yeah. while you were in Korea, you you made your first videos about you going through all of this. Yeah. Uh, I started talking about EDS, but I hadn't quite opened up yet about depression. Um, mm-hmm. I think because I hadn't really had a handle on what that meant. We didn't understand what it was and how it was mm-hmm. affecting her life. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. you know, because you can't quite, the hardest part I think is trying to realize that you have to separate yourself from it and also that it is you at the same time. It, it's okay that you are depressed and it's okay that you have to deal with it, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that your depression is who you are. It doesn't make you who you are, right? Because exactly. you know, our original perception of depression was, you're sad because life sucks. And that's how we were told depression usually was. But for Martina's case, like our life didn't suck. We, everything was great. So Mm -hmm. what was this and how can we try to understand it a little bit better? And it took us a long time of self-reflecting before we could actually feel comfortable enough to share this with our audience. Yeah, because I I feel a a real responsibility. Um, You know, we we're very close with our audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are not like a huge channel. Like we've, of course now we've passed a million subscribers, but mm-hmm. we've been doing this for almost over a decade. Mm-hmm. It's right. Not and like congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Just you know, over. Like, it only took us 10 years. <laughs> yeah. like, it's not, it's not the same as like people who blow up. Right. Yeah. So for us, we've had a very close and slow growing relationship with our audience mm-hmm. and they've been with us for a long time and they've, you know, talked about problems they've been having. Mm-hmm. And so I felt like when I talk about this and talk about depression, I don't want to just go on camera and just like, cry and then that's it i want to give them something hopeful because Mm -hmm. there is hope and there is a way to combat it Mm -hmm. it's difficult and it's hard Mm -hmm. to talk to yourself and tell yourself that the voices in your head are often wrong Mm -hmm. and what we've realized is that um i think of depression almost like when you're sick and you have a cold and your body tells you you know you're tired you need to stay inside to heal well depression uh, for me because it's related to chronic pain the pain in my body, my body doesn't understand that I have EDS. So I keep being told that I'm in pain, thus I'm in danger, and my heart rate spikes, and I have adrenaline, and I feel scared, and then it convinced me that I should just stay home and not put videos out because my body's worried about my health. But I had to learn that my body is not always right. Yeah. Like It's okay for me to go out even though I'm in pain. It's okay for me to be happy and that my depression is not going to control what I'm doing, but it is still there. Your body is giving you this depression in hopes that you would stay home and give your body the chance to heal. Yeah. Right. But because it's a chronic illness, right. it can never heal. Like mm-hmm. there's no cure for EDS. So my body's like, well, if you just stay home this week, you'll be fine. And I'm like, no dude, it's not mm-hmm. like, right. And, and, yeah. and I think it's, it's, it's shown that these same receptors that fire when, when you're, going through these difficult emotions are the exact same when you're dealing with pain and, mm-hmm. and anyone who's in, in pain, you know, you, you become short, you in a, in a smaller sense, you become short, impatient. Right. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's the same with, with mood. So, mm-hmm. so what are you doing now differently than when this kind of first started was depression always there with the chronic pain 
And how has your relationship with that changed? Mm-hmm. It, it was definitely always there. I just never acknowledged it. Because I think the image that people have um, that has been broadcast online or are on TV or in movies is depressed people are goths that hide in the basement and like, you know, they have some miserable life and like, you know, they listen to heavy metal, which I do listen to heavy metal, but so what? (laughs) All right. But there's this kind of perception that you couldn't be like... Side note. Wait, wait, wait. This is very relevant. (laughs) Yes. Martina recently sprained her wrist and I got her a splint in Poland. And I love the brand name. Please show the brand name up to the camera if you can. Can you see it? Oh, no way. It wasn't intentional. It was the only one they had. What? It fits very nicely. Sometimes I feel really emo. Right. But anyhow, the (laughs) I think there's like a perception that we've been told. And mm-hmm. so when you try to reflect on yourself, which is the hardest part, you, you go to yourself, am I depressed? Mm-hmm. Like you, you realize the way that you, you slowly start to close yourself off. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to do things you wanted to do. You're not as, you don't have your appetite. You know, mm-hmm. you feel like it's hopeless and you start to have these feelings and you go, well, I couldn't be depressed because my life is okay. Mm-hmm. And like depressed people only have reasons to be depressed. Mm-hmm. And so it took us a while to realize that depression can happen whether you have a hard life, whether you have a good life, yeah. whether you're chronically ill or not. You could be, you could have a chemical imbalance. Like one of my closest friends growing up was manic depressive mm-hmm. and he didn't know. And so he kept saying to me things like, I don't know why I'm upset. I don't know what I'm upset for. And that really started to ring true to me as I got older and mm-hmm. I realized I too don't know what I'm upset about. Mm -hmm. And that's when I started looking more into it and realized that depression is something that I have and I have gone through really dark time periods. And what I've done is um, discuss this concept called build a ladder. Mm -hmm. And and build a ladder is the concept that I talked about for when I've reached my lowest, darkest levels and you really feel like you're in a pit and there's nowhere else to go. You're just in this dark pit and you have no hope. And so for me, building a ladder is accepting that small things in your life are wins. Mm -hmm. For example, getting out of bed, that's a win. Mm -hmm. We shouldn't say that like success or beating depression is like going out and meeting someone and going to a bar and getting a job. Like Mm -hmm. just getting out of bed is a win. Mm -hmm. And that's you building a rung on your ladder. You're, you're one out of your pit. If you, if you take a shower that day, well, that's a freaking win too. Mm-hmm. And so this idea is that if you have a nice breakfast, that's you know, another yeah. rung that you add to your ladder. If you go outside and you like see a nice flower, that's another, that's rung. another rung. And I think another term for it, I think some people have compared it to CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy. I, mm-hmm. I think it is. Yeah, and right. it's just like our, it's our conscious effort to find positives in many things. Mm-hmm. Before when we were younger and, and your disability wasn't as strong, we were able to do a lot more traveling, a lot more partying, mm-hmm. and a lot more things to distract us from it. But now that like there are fewer things that we could do, we have to like find more joy in the everyday things and be more appreciative mm-hmm. of the things we could do. Mm-hmm. Right. And does that come along with uh, your appreciation for food? Um, I think a lot oh. of people can can think food as something in a way, very simple, but a lot of the time in North America and Toronto, you know, it's a very fast paced culture here. And it's like, take it and eat on the road and fast food. When you guys eat, is it part of that simplicity and you take your time and that's a rung on the ladder all the time? Absolutely. We, we don't just eat food. We discuss every bite in our mouth. Mm-hmm. So really, we read, yep. Yeah. I, I believe that like, you know, when you eat something, you can just eat it like, oh, it's sweet. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. Like even just biting a donut, you can, you can talk about 
what's this texture I feel right now? Mm. Oh, oh, it's quite airy. Like mm. it's not quite a marshmallow. Right. It, it's more like, and then we discuss that. And then we discuss where does it feel on our tongue? Mm-hmm. Oh, it really hit this point first and I just tasted sugar. Right. But now it's kind of coating my tongue and I'm tasting mm. more of like a dark caramel sugar. Oh, this donut bite reminds me of that donut that we had a few, few years, years ago, ago yeah. in Norway. Oh, yes. So like we use a lot of like tasting as our ways to like, Mm -hmm. because a lot of memories we have are hidden to us until we find something that unlocks them. So we find that like whenever we travel, we try to eat as much as we can Mm -hmm. at different places, uh, not because we're gluttons, but because we're trying to get ourselves that memory bank Mm -hmm. uh, for the future so that we could relive those Mm -hmm. positive experiences. I think that everybody has like a childhood food. That mm-hmm. they that if you have it again, mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if it's good or bad. It could mm-hmm. be like mac and cheese with with ketchup, mm-hmm. and it was the way that your grandma made it, or mm-hmm. it was the way that your friend's mom made it, or it was like from a cafeteria where they scooped mm-hmm. it out on a tray. Yeah. And like it isn't necessarily good, mm-hmm. but to you it's good. Mm-hmm. So we try to make everything that we eat like a memory like that, yeah. where it's great. So everything I do is great now. Like if I drink coffee, I'm like, oh wow, like mm-hmm. I can find joy in these things. But that involves a lot more presence in the yeah, moment training. you can't it's not fast food we're not like eating and thinking about a meeting that we're going to or we're not just like eating and driving and going somewhere else when we eat we're in the moment we're yeah. looking at the food we're smelling it we're feeling where it is and we're trying to build those connections in our mind so for us that's what food does it's not just fuel for us it's memory building mm-hmm. That's that's such a cool perspective, and that has a lot to do with being in the present moment. And, and mindfulness practice is mm-hmm. taking those things apart. Just a simple mm-hmm. meal, you, you take it apart, taste, smell, texture. Mm-hmm. Uh, you feel it. You know, if you're swallowing, people yeah. don't recognize it. But what does this feel like going down my esophagus? And, and people that's forget an these feelings. In Japan. Like oh, they really? have like like noodle shops that are famous for how they feel as you're swallowing it i that's something i'm trying to understand it's still beyond me at the moment because it's like it just feels like a noodle um that is so cool yeah well back to childhood i don't know if you can see on the shelf uh uh weird okay what how does this camera work if i that's a wall all right right there yeah Yeah, i'm I'm trying to do a perspective thing Right, right, closer right. towards your nose. Up, there, up, my there, finger. Okay, that, there, yeah. that finger, the, there's Play-Doh right there. And oh, nice. the smell of Play-Doh. I did like a mindfulness thing on my right channel. Right. Like I yeah. immediately said that oh, when you... I almost cried. I hadn't smelled Play-Doh or played with it in like 15 years. And I did a mindfulness thing where just, you know, in between the hands, making that snake as we did as kids. And, right. and just, it brings you right back. I think that's so cool how you talk about those memory banks and creating those. because say you move to another country, you come back to Toronto. Well, next time you have a a certain food, it can shoot you right back to your times in Tokyo. That's why we kind of were talking at the beginning about albums. Like we uh, try to listen to a new album every single week so that whenever like we hear that song again, we can remember, oh, I remember when I first heard this song. Mm -hmm. And we have a, like the way we have a food memory bank, we're making a music memory Mm -hmm. bank as well. Because like for me, I'm, I'm, (laughs) 
I'm of the era of before YouTube. And for us to be able to make a career off of this makes no sense to me whatsoever. Yeah. So I'm waiting for the day that tomorrow they're like, all right, YouTube shut down. We'll get like, a real job. Right. And that seems about right. <laughs> so I want to be able to like remember as much of this wild ride as humanly possible. So for the food and for the smells, the travel and the music, this is all helping me appreciate as much of my life as I can. And wow. it's the same thing that applies like when we come back to Toronto, I think that mm. it's completely changed our perspective. Oh, yeah. Because originally, you know, when you travel, you have a moment of comparison that mm -hmm. you need to face. Mm -hmm. You need to face okay, this country might be doing something better than your country. Yeah. And that's a hard thing to face. But mm. then you also need to face, wow, I did not appreciate the amount of grass that oh I had in gosh. Canada. I, I mean, growing on the ground. Front, well, nowadays, yeah. it's like that's other stuff too. very but different. Yeah. Not in Japan. Yeah. <laughs> but the grass, yeah. like, you know, Toronto having grass, like yeah. being able to put your feet, like take your oh, shoes off yeah. and be like, I mean, depending on the park, yeah. but like, yeah. you know, from lawn, grass, like smelling the smell lawn, mo like fresh cut grass. That oh. smell I haven't smelt in so long. So long. You know when it rains yeah. and after it rains, the pavement smells like love wet, wet tar. Yeah, like pavement. worms. I love that smell. Yeah. Different mm. smell in Tokyo. Yeah. Different oh. smell in Korea. Mm. Like, so these are things that like people can pass by. Oh, mm. it's a rainy day. What a crappy day. Yeah. No, it's not. What, what do you smell? What are you seeing? And all that kind of like being in the now and in the presence mm -hmm. for us is like building a ladder yeah. and acknowledge taking yourself out of your head because that's what depression does. It, it puts you into a very mm -hmm. tiny box. It tells you things that aren't true, mm -hmm. you know, and, and you need to be able to say, okay, you've got some legit things to say, mm -hmm. but also it's a beautiful rainy day and smell that air. And mm -hmm. like this donut tastes amazing. Like you yeah. need to be able to take yourself out of that. And you know? not let your thoughts, not let your worries, not let your sadness get in the way of you appreciating something. Like mm -hmm. there are some times in which like, you know, like your condition is challenging and it's sad from a spouse's perspective mm -hmm. to see his loved one suffering. And sometimes I'll be riding through the park trying to get back home and I realize I went a whole swath of area without noticing anything around me. Like, you know, when you're driving and you and just like, get pilot, you get cut, get home and you're like, you know. Totally, yeah, yeah. The moments that I really try to push myself back into being present and appreciating the coolness of tokyo japan mm -hmm. you know I, I think that those are two massive tools for listeners it's the building of the rung uh the the ladder rung by rung i've i've never um heard of that metaphor and i absolutely love it and then the mindfulness practice is something that uh, we talk about all the time i've been practicing that for 10 years it's made a massive difference not only in anxiety but depression as well um what about as a as a husband uh, simon as a Hmm. Um, I didn't want to say caregiver, a, a husband, a partner, a best friend. How does, how does, uh, how do you deal with the depression of, of, uh, Martina and how does that affect your mental health? Cause a lot of the time we're focused not to take attention away from the person dealing with it, but mm -hmm. we, we sometimes forget about the person helping the other person and being in mm -hmm. contact. Like I always think of my parents of what they went through in my family with the depression I experience. Um, right. how, how are you dealing with that? poorly i don't have a good answer for that yet like this is this is something that i'm still trying to work through and this is something that i'm speaking with my counselor about so like the first steps are you know speaking with the counselor um, making sure that i'm not fully losing myself in a caregiver role and mm -hmm. not being too caught up in those concerns about you know martina's well-being and this is 
I, I will have an answer soon, but at the moment, I don't have mm -hmm. the best answers yet. But this is something is that tough. like we yeah. we discussed it together because, mm -hmm. and this is I think really important that like if you have a uh, if you have depression or you have a chronic illness mm -hmm. and you have somebody who you're dating or your parents or whatever are around, mm -hmm. one of the big things that we've discussed a lot that I think other people need to remember is that the person will take care of you mm -hmm. and you appreciate it. Mm -hmm. But then there's a point where you feel almost like you're. Um, independence is being taken away from you. Mm -hmm. And what we realized is that we simply just need to be honest and vocal with each other. Yeah. So what we had to come to the middle ground was Simon was really worried because like, if I reach up for a cup, I can, you know, dislocate my shoulder. And mm -hmm. then if I dislocate my shoulder, I mm -hmm. relocate it, but then that causes pain. And then mm -hmm. I have to deal with that. Right. Mm -hmm. So Simon's like, I can easily reach for a cup, mm -hmm. but it kind of got to the point where I would go for a cup and he'd be like, let me do that. And like, let me put the kettle on or like, mm -hmm. I can cook for you. Mm -hmm. And even though I know it came from a loving place, mm -hmm. it made me feel like I couldn't do anything. Mm -hmm. So we had to have a discussion where I said, we'll ha we have to be honest with each other yeah. in which I have to admit mm -hmm. when I can't do something, mm -hmm. which is very hard to do as well. Like I wasn't being honest. Mm -hmm. Like I was like determined to, you know, carry a, a heavy garbage can. Mm -hmm. I was determined because I used to be able to do that. Mm -hmm. But then I had to say to Simon, okay, I promise I'll be honest with you from now on. Mm -hmm. I need your help to pour these noodles into the sink. Right. However, you can't just do things for me without me asking. Right. So if I'm honest mm -hmm. with you, you can trust that I will ask you for help. Mm -hmm. And then you have to trust that I'm gonna ask you for help. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like the middle ground we've come to now. So mm -hmm. I can still see Simon instinctually like, <gasps> glint, like he wants to go help me, yeah. but he also needs to maintain who he is. Right. And I don't want him to become overwhelmed and just become mm -hmm. a caretaker. And this is why like for me, I find uh, working out a really good way for me mm -hmm. to um, not necessarily only focus on Martina's well-being, but focus on myself. Because mm -hmm. if you're under the squat rack and you got a lot of weight on you, if you're not focusing on that, you'll die. So <laughs> it's yeah. kind of, and that helps me focus on myself, uh, step away from the moment. I don't think Martina will, because there is always this like panic of, well, what if Martina hurts herself if I'm out doing something else? Like there's mm. this feeling of I can do more and so I will. So trying to find the right balance of taking care of her and taking care of myself at mm. the same time is a tough one. Mm -hmm. And it's a, and it's a new one and it changes every year. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, you kind of see it reflected in our content, like our mm -hmm. content changes every year as well at, at the same time. And, mm -hmm. and, and being adaptive, I think, and yeah. accepting change is important. Like mm -hmm. a lot of people have like, you know, their five-year plan or their 10 year, whatever they have this plan, right. but they need to realize that basically every year you need to reassess things mm -hmm. because every year you change. Like, one year, maybe you're not on medication. Mm -hmm. Maybe the next year, your medication caused horrible side effects. Yeah. And then maybe the next year, you're doing really well. Mm -hmm. But So you need to be able to say, it's okay. Mm -hmm. It's okay that I'm not the same as I was last year. Mm -hmm. In fact, I shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. But I need to be able to be okay with that change. Right. So if your depression's getting worse or if it's getting better, mm -hmm. there's this idea of comparing yourself to the past. Mm -hmm. Like I remember I was so happy when I was blank. Mm -hmm. Well, that's you living in the past. Right. There's, there's that's no going to be of no benefit no to benefit. you. you know? And that's again where we get back to that focus of us living in the now mm -hmm. and trying to focus on building a ladder with what we have. Mm -hmm. We have like, you know, that kind of perspective. And understanding what we can do and what we can't do and doing the best that we can with what we've been given. Mm -hmm. And and when it comes to sharing this on on YouTube, which you mm -hmm. have for sure, uh, what's what's the reaction from your audience? And do you see any other YouTubers since you have been in the game for a while? When it comes mm -hmm. to mental health, I can definitely name uh, a lot of videos and a lot of things where where I don't agree with the 
the the conversation and dialogue, mm-hmm. just the media in general can create about mm-hmm. depression and mental health. And as mm-hmm. you said, Martina, it's like you didn't want to make a video where you just go and you you name the video my depression story and you cry and you do the thumbnail like you know what i mean but you guys have a different approach um so how's your audience reacted to you coming out about these things and do you feel like everyone's doing it right or there are some people doing it wrong Um, i definitely like so the video that we put out which was my big one was uh dealing with chronic pain and depression. And that was the first time that I told people about like my, my story of depression and Mm -hmm. like, you know, I had a suicide attempt as well, Mm -hmm. which like was only foiled because my mom happened to walk in Mm -hmm. and it was like such a shock. And like, Mm -hmm. I couldn't believe that I had gotten like to that point where Mm -hmm. I was just willing to be like, this is the end of it. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it was kind of like my darkest pit moment when I said, well, there's nowhere else to go but up. Mm-hmm. Like, why haven't I dyed my hair yet? Yeah. Like, why haven't I gotten a piercing or a tattoo? Like, I was really willing to end everything without trying things. Mm-hmm. Like, it was kind of that moment for me where I realized that there's so much more that I should just do. If I'm, if I'm so upset about the world, mm-hmm. then I might as well just try things. Mm-hmm. And that's like the first thing that I shared with the audience. Mm-hmm. Because what I don't want to do is to tell people that I'm depressed and there's no way out. Yeah. Because I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. So when I came to our video, we thought a lot about it. Mm-hmm. We considered like we scripted it at one point mm-hmm. and I said, I don't think I can script this. Mm-hmm. Like I don't think I can read from something. Mm-hmm. This needs to come straight from the heart. I had points that I wanted to talk about, mm-hmm. but I also wanted to give people kind of like a toolkit. Yeah. You know, so we talk a lot about this idea of a toolkit, which is giving people the idea of what they can put in it to help themselves, mm-hmm. that you're not totally helpless and not every day is the same. Mm-hmm. And this toolkit can be something mental, such as building a ladder, mm-hmm. appreciating the fact that you got out of bed and that you put on clothing and that you took a shower and that's getting you out of your pit to begin with. Mm-hmm. But also the idea that depending on what you have, there's different things you can look to. Mm-hmm. Maybe today's the day that you listen to a, uh, a an uplifting audiobook. Mm-hmm. Well, that's in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Maybe today's the day I take a bath. Mm-hmm. Like maybe I just need some bath time. Maybe I need to call a friend. Like mm-hmm. when you watch those TV shows and they're mm-hmm. like, I need to call a friend or like yeah. use your emergency line. Like you yeah. don't have to use all of these at once, mm-hmm. but you do need to know what you can put in your toolkit. So mm-hmm. before we put out this video, we wanted to make sure that we could give people something that they could use or think about. And mm-hmm. it blew my mind how mm-hmm. amazing our community was. Right. Everyone opened up. Mm-hmm. People talked about their depression. They couldn't believe that I had this and mm-hmm. that they did too. Mm-hmm. They were never heard of build a ladder. I mean, mm-hmm. it didn't exist, but right. like it, people really latched onto it. Mm-hmm. We share hashtags now. It's mm-hmm. not mine anymore. Mm-hmm. It's it's ours. You know, mm-hmm. like when I'm having a really down day, I always put out a tweet with build a ladder and like I try to put something uplifting. And my audience knows that I only do that on my hardest days. Mm-hmm. I don't do it because I'm looking for the views and the likes and mm-hmm. like, oh, I got to put this up today. Right. That's where I think things are going wrong, mm-hmm. where people are starting to use their depression or their illness as a tool to like be popular or to try to like, you know, mm-hmm. that that's not, that's not helping anybody, mm-hmm. right? It's the honesty of saying, hey, I feel really rough today. You know, I don't have any makeup on. I I feel super crappy. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, I need someone to send me pictures of cats Mm -hmm. and that's okay. It's okay to have a bad day. Mm -hmm. You know, that's the kind of thing that we're trying to get across to people. I think the thing that we're very lucky to have that we've never taken for granted is we have a very strong community Mm -hmm. and we always have, we talk with them all the time. Every Mm -hmm. time you post a video, we'll answer the comments. We'll respond to as many as we can. We'll publish a video and then we'll spend the next hour writing back to yeah. all the commenters that come in. We have inside jokes with them. We talk with them often. Yeah. We know other YouTubers that 
don't really give a shit about their audience. If they you look just, at the comment section, yeah. they don't like respond to people, they which I just find so strange. Post the videos and then they cash their checks and then they leave. While for us, like we'll even like a lot of our audience will come to Japan and we'll meet them. We know them by their avatars. Like I'll remember their avatars. Yeah. There's some people that I meet in real life that they're like, oh hi, my name is Meg. And I'll be like, hold on, do you have a pink avatar? This is a real story. Like I remember people by the connection that we have yeah. online. And I think wow. like this is one of our like biggest strengths you could yeah. say like it's not something that it's i like brag a, about it's like a strength in number because yes. everybody accepts you mm -hmm. like like it's a, it's like having the best family on the planet yeah. like if you if you say to them wow man i'm feeling totally crappy right, right now and i i cannot lift my arms and i feel like so mm -hmm. exhausted they'll be like oh my god i've had that day too yeah. like you know i you know and they're not like mad or they're not yeah. resentful yeah. they're supportive mm -hmm. you know and they can say the same thing so yeah. the build a ladder tag has taken off where People will say, having a really rough day today, need to hashtag build a ladder. Yeah. And then we'll all respond. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll be like, here's a joke. Here's an emoji. Here's a book I'm reading. Like, mm -hmm. So it's a community now that accepts that people have illnesses of all kinds. Mm -hmm. We all talk about it openly now. Yeah. People talk about pots. They talk about fibro. They talk about um, having chronic uh, you know, IBS, Crohn's. Yeah. Yeah. We're learning about many more things. And the mm -hmm. key for us is like invisible illnesses. I think of depression as invisible illness as well. Mm -hmm. People have an image of what someone looks like when mm -hmm. they're sick or depressed or mm -hmm. have a disease. Mm -hmm. They don't think it looks like normal people, uh -huh. right? So that's something that we're also trying to do. Like our audience is trying to say, here's a picture of me. I look normal, but mm -hmm. I have like, you know, POTS or I mm -hmm. have, you know, IBS. So we're, we're trying to like open it up more. Mm -hmm. So people look at other people and think to themselves, that person looks normal. They parked in a handicapped spot. I'm not going to go ream them out because mm. maybe they have an invisible illness. Well, so. back in the day, a lot of people did. They're like, well, you're not on a wheelchair and that icon looks like a wheelchair. So why are you taking that spot? Yeah. So right. this is helping to like allow everybody to kind of open up and think differently about people around mm. them and have mm. more compassion. You and know? empathy. I yeah. Well, I, I think you've, you've opened up a, a massive dialogue by sharing your story. And it's almost some people don't necessarily wait, but you almost give them permission to say it's okay. And, and if people have been following you for a while and even new people, uh, they come in and say, well, you know, this is, this is someone saying now, you know, she's still alive. They're doing well. It didn't, mm -hmm. it, you know, to, to share this is a sign of strength and vulnerability, not a sign of weakness. I think that's mm -hmm. absolutely massive. And what happens with these communities that you've built is people who deal with something and then know that someone else is going through something similar or something totally different with an invisible illness, you develop a massive sense of empathy. So mm -hmm. what you're probably seeing in your communities too is people helping each other out, right? Mm -hmm. right. Just as you've said, yeah. it's a massive sense of empathy. I can um, like back away yeah. and other people are helping each other when I'm not there. We see people Amazing. in our community meeting up with other commenters and they share pictures of like, oh, I met awkward tea from yeah. here and it's it's great to see people forming their own communities as a result that's like profoundly fulfilling for me at least yeah. to see that like we can help foster something along those lines yeah and i think you're right it's it's not um too common on youtube to have mm -hmm. you know it, a lot of the videos if you you post it people don't necessarily have that strong community. Usually the comments end up with a religious debate. doesn't matter what the topic is, right? Yep. It goes back to some, something political. Uh, mm -hmm. I think you have something really special there. So as far as the mental health toolbox, that's what I preach to you. 
tool belt, mm-hmm. whatever you throw these mm-hmm. things in. I have meditation. Yeah. I got my tapes. I got my walk I like in the, the park. Tool belt because a box is harder to carry and they're usually bulky. <laughs> tool but belt, the you can like Batman. Yeah, you know yeah. Called? You know, I like the tool belt <laughs> the idea. Tool belt's cool. I like the tool belt. Tool belt, toolbox. It's all. We're all worker men. You have the specific problem. You need a tool for the job. You're building the house. Yeah. You got the screwdriver. You got the drill. Depending what you need for your mental health. Um, mm-hmm. Simon, what's in your toolbox and and no you don't need to have a an illness to have a toolbox you know people yeah. go through things all the time what do you what do you do to feel good what's in your toolbox um what i've been using lately to help out is um it's actually an app it's it's a it's a cool app it's called mood notes uh and what it does is it kind of like helps you check in on yourself regularly so you say like what are you doing at the time what are the things that you are feeling so if you're like in a down mood you like tick off the emotions that you're feeling you explain why and then you try to force yourself to think of them in a different way Mm. and by thinking of them in a different way you lower the anxiety that you might feel at a specific time you change your perception of it it's all about actively trying to change the perception that dad no <laughs> your dad's calling and my father's ringtone is Gucci gang sorry sorry dad it's an ironic <laughs> it's an ironic ringtone but now ironic. we love Gucci my gang my dad is not part of the Gucci gang oh uh, my gosh like saying sushi gang instead so we're like sushi gang sushi gang sushi gang oh yes is your dad still in pickering is your family still Uh, in pickering well they're like my dad's actually in poland i just visited him in poland uh last week he's on vacation yeah he's on vacation but he'll be back in pickering in a few days oh okay you uploaded a video recently of uh you in poland didn't you or was that another uh it was a a picture i'm working on the video right now of uh me with my father in poland oh that's Um, great um, yeah, mood notes, mood notes. <laughs> yes, so, mood notes. So the idea is like um, whenever like I am starting to feel like stressed or anxious yeah. or down about something, then I'll really try to dig into that thought, try to find other ways of perceiving that moment, mm-hmm. and that will help reduce some of the feelings that I have. Mm-hmm. Doesn't work all the time, but overwhelmingly, it is quite helpful. Mm-hmm. I find. And when we're dealing with um, mm-hmm. anxiety, like uh, my my father recently passed away, mm-hmm. and it was like a really terrible disease. I'm sorry and so to hear I had that. a lot of like that was tough. It's mm-hmm. still tough, but still um, tough. His uh, life, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the anxiety attacks that I was having mm-hmm. leading up to it, mm-hmm. I was having like out of nowhere, you know, mm-hmm. like anxiety attacks. Like I'd be at a stoplight with Simon, and mm-hmm. it's quite crowded in Tokyo, and suddenly. Mm-hmm it's too much for me. Like mm-hmm. I had to get out of there. Like mm-hmm. I was so overwhelmed. And then we developed a technique that we read about online, which mm-hmm. was looking around and seeing stuff around you. Mm-hmm. So you name like, you know, what, what are, are five what, blue things, you know, for example. Yeah. So you'll be like, mm-hmm. the sky is blue. The shirt is blue. Mm-hmm. And it's all about that idea of like getting out of your head. Mm-hmm. You know, what are three things you hear? Mm-hmm. I hear loud noises from cars. I hear, you know, the crosswalk saying mm-hmm. in Japanese that you can walk. I hear a woman on her phone, like, mm-hmm. and doing these kind of things about what you hear, what mm-hmm. you smell, what you see, you suddenly are out of your head. Mm-hmm. Whatever that was happening, whatever anxiety was happening, you can't even think about it because mm-hmm. you're too busy being in the now. Mm-hmm. So right. we keep finding that that idea of reflecting on how you're feeling yeah. or pulling yourself back to the now mm-hmm. because there's nothing else but this exact moment. Mm-hmm. There's absolutely nothing else but this moment, but mm-hmm. we tend to live in the fear of what's going to happen to me in the future. Mm-hmm. You know, my condition's getting worse. Oh, what's going to happen? Well, mm-hmm. you know what? I could get by a car and then there's the end of that. Mm-hmm. So let's just, let's just deal with what we got. Mm-hmm. You know, like don't think about the past where I used to be, you know, athletic and I could do all these things and that's mm-hmm. really dragging me down. Now I'm like, you know what? 
okay, I can't snowboard anymore, mm-hmm. but I had some great runs. Mm-hmm. I loved it. You know, I'll never forget those days, them. you know, yeah. and people right. will always get older, even mm-hmm. though I'm getting older at a faster rate. Like mm-hmm. I'm 36, but I'm like 80, you know, when people are, you know, you're pretty hot for an 80 year old. Hey, use sunblock. It helps. Sunblock. Yeah. Um, yeah. Thank you, excellent husband. Um, you know, the whole idea is like we have that struggle with like getting older and, you know, not being the way we used to. And yeah. so even something like depression, people feel like, you know, why aren't I happy? Like I was happy when I was younger yeah. or, but yeah. that's okay that you're not happy now. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's other things in your life that are burdening you. Mm-hmm. So it's that kind of like accepting it and not looking back on things all the time, you know? I also was um, very scholarly. Uh, in university and before meeting Martina, I really wanted to. He's a nerd. I really yes, I'm a nerd, uh, and I love to <laughs> nerd. and I love to read. And this year, I've really like focused my attention towards reading more um, psychology books, mm-hmm. more self help books, more ways that I could uh, rethink the ways that I'm perceiving different things. And mm-hmm. this actually like being quite helpful for me to understand the thinking traps that I fall under. Um, like for that's example, so great. Like thinking fast and slow is a super um, cited book. It's Nobel Prize winner. It's really fucking boring. I don't know if you could swear <laughs> on your show, but holy All shit. All the time. I was, I was about I to write it down. I'm Martin. like, I was about to write it yeah. down, be like, buy this and now, but it's really boring, eh? No it's, pictures, um, no Martina pictures, no pop-ups. Nothing. You just, you read it in a monotone voice, just Ooh. like this someone is trying to go to sleep and it just works so well to put them <laughs> and you use the podcast voice like this is how um, and it's it's a really useful book and there are other books that like i have on it was like i'm reading a book about sleep right now to try to like the help my sleep, sleep a little bit better so yeah. i think my scholarly side this is where i get like excited and and this kind of helps mm-hmm. me in some ways mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. I, I love that. Any other uh, any other books for either of you that you would recommend um, recommend to people dealing with depression, chronic illness, sleeping, anything that you've come across? Um, we were reading for a while after my dad's uh, death or dealing with his death, The Power mm-hmm. of Now. Mm-hmm. With uh, it's on X- the shelf. Right there, pass it over. Yeah, Along yeah. with my Mushroom Society book. Yeah, that. So that one. Yeah, yeah. We got the, you want to learn about mushrooms? That's so <laughs> great. This is like a field guide to like all types of mushrooms. Okay. That's so cool. This isn't uh, a depression help book. It's just Martina likes mushrooms. It doesn't um, matter. Yeah, it doesn't need to be uh, about depression. <laughs> if you like mushrooms and it brings you some joy. <laughs> <Guide>. <laughs> yeah. I, I, just, I just like digging into like, I find mm-hmm. that, you know, digging into a topic that you mm-hmm. really like helps mm-hmm. you enjoy the little things, right? right? So like when I go for sushi now in Japan, mm-hmm. it's no longer just me eating it mindlessly, mm-hmm. right? I have this little sushi book. It's Japanese. I sticky note it. Mm-hmm. Every time we go to Saito, I yeah. bring it with me. And now I'm starting to like really know the fish names in Japanese, uh-huh. the kanji, the type when of they're thing, when in they're in season. season. Yeah. You know, I can tell from the cut of the fish, like, mm-hmm. ooh, that's this and that. Mm-hmm. So learning about these things kind of just, it sounds like it doesn't make sense for depression, mm-hmm. but it gives you something to be excited about. Mm-hmm. So that's why I often talk to my audience, like for the build a ladder concept, I talk about things like exploring. Mm-hmm. This is a really, really big critical thing for me. Mm-hmm. And people believe that other places they live are better. Like mm-hmm. they're always like, cause not everyone can afford to move somewhere else or mm-hmm. can just pick up and go, mm-hmm. you know, so they might live in a small town or they might live in Toronto and they often only go to like the same places. Mm-hmm. And so we try to encourage people to like, go find a different place for mm-hmm. once, you know, Oh, you don't know the menu. Who cares? 
go into a foreign restaurant where you look like you are the only person who shouldn't belong there mm -hmm. and just go on in. Mm -hmm. Ask the owner. I've never been here before. I've never had Indian food. What should I have? Yeah. You know, oh, like, what can I eat today? Like, I've never had Thai food. Like, just try something new and exciting. Mm -hmm. And that can then suddenly unlock so many things. And then you're going to be reading a guide on mushrooms. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the yeah. progress. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think that's, that's so cool. And it's so a uh, lack of a better word, but I use it all the time. That's a beautiful philosophy to have that. I, I try to invite people to think about that too. It's not only recognizing the small, but man, I don't care what it is that people can get excited about. Like there's the comic con in Toronto. People, oh, are, yeah. people are obsessed. They're coming oh, in costumes. Oh, oh. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. It's like, it doesn't matter what it is. If you have loved Pikachu from the day you were born and you've been excited for this new movie and you're excited when Pokemon uh, Go came out and like, if, if that gets you up out of bed, man, and you love it, jeez. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I, I, I actually envy those people that love one thing so much. It's if you, if you can get excited about something and and it it helps you live and you like playing video games and you like trying new food and you like to mm -hmm. read new books it's just the most beautiful thing it's i think we've you know our education system at least in north america it, school is supposed to be so fun you're a mm -hmm. child you should love to learn you go you see friends you get to learn Gosh. new things and what mm -hmm. happens is people dread going to school because you sit at a desk and you're forced to learn things that you don't necessarily want to learn at the time. And yeah. we have this concept of education and learning being mm -hmm. boring and being a task. Yeah. And I don't know about I don't know about you guys, but a lot of people I knew after university, once university ended, then we learned for fun. And now learning's the coolest thing ever because I can read yeah, books and choose. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. oh, I can buy a book about astronomy and learn about stars. Yeah. And there's no test. It just mm -hmm. makes it so fun. Um, right. uh, so I think that's a beautiful philosophy and, and thanks for sharing those recommendations. Um, oh. another question I have about Tokyo is hmm. what is the mental health climate in that culture? Asia is not terribly open in general. No, they're you not. You know, like if you were mm. to tell your boss, mm. I mean, we don't work in Tokyo in like that environment, for a company, you know, yeah. but we have friends that work for Japanese companies. Uh -huh. And if they tell somebody that they're depressed, mm. um, depression, even though it's obviously rampant around the world, because mm. we're human beings, mm -hmm. people will be like, oh, you're not trying hard enough yeah. or like you're lazy or like, or they, you should go to doctor, suck it up or doctor, walk it off. Yeah. Like know? the, mm -hmm. the idea or the mm -hmm. concept of like depression being real mm -hmm. is quite hard for people to grasp. Mm -hmm. And they're not as like emotionally, um, I think expressive, like yeah. as North Americans and Westerners, we're quite lucky that we're able to express who we are and what we are and to discuss it, you know, you know, and mm -hmm. I think that like Asia has some lovely things about it, like the calmness and the respect and like that whole beauty that comes with it mm -hmm. also comes with the negative side, which mm -hmm. is suppressing their emotions. Mm -hmm. And so there are like, I think, uh, Japan and Korea just jock for suicide positions. Yeah. Like the two of them are like, we're the best in the country for suicide. And they're yeah. like, no, we are. And I'm like, maybe you should I don't yeah. think of it as that. a competitive like, sport. Yeah. I don't it's think so. <laughs> have a very high rate and a lot a lot of them around like you know high school students yeah. like and not even high school students because they were bullied but no. because they got bad grades and they believe it's the end of their life yeah. because it's been so engraved in them like i lost students at my school before mm. you know and it's just like i can't believe the pressure that's on them and so 
it's starting to be talked about, you know, like, you know, we have friends that can get medication now, like Mm -hmm. in Korea, there's been a lot of problems with, um, there's a K-pop group called 21 Mm -hmm. and there was a girl named Park Bomb and Mm -hmm. she suffered from depression Mm -hmm. and she had her family mail her from California Mm -hmm. medication that is legal and she has a prescription, Mm -hmm. but not in Korea. And so Mm -hmm. when it arrived, she got in trouble for it. She was arrested. Mm -hmm. And then in the news, they said that she's like a drug user. And people ripped into her, put, yeah. like, I mean, this girl, that was As it. if she's not going through enough. You know, like, yeah. they didn't say, oh, wow, she's having a hard time. They're like, we don't like drugs. She's a drug dealer. I'm like, guys, like, that's not what's happening. Mm-hmm. And then it just spreads. And then mm-hmm. you lose all your shows and you lose mm-hmm. everything. Like, so it's quite but a hard she was able it. to, like, express herself in some way, even though yeah. it wasn't, like, the, the main message out there. For those that did listen to her, they were able to see it in yeah. uh pop icon and they can maybe understand it a little bit in themselves so Mm -hmm. there's still like a lot of catching up that asia i I think japan and korea both have to do when it comes to mental health and talking about grass before you know like medical marijuana in canada Mm -hmm. becoming um legal like Mm -hmm. i had never ever tried weed growing Mm -hmm. up like Mm -hmm. i didn't smoke anything no so i was like very much like i drink a little but not Mm -hmm. in high school like i was Mm -hmm. very much like i loved learning and Mm -hmm. i didn't really care for anything Mm -hmm. and then when i got older like Mm -hmm. much older and we were coming back to visit toronto and Mm -hmm. it it became legal Mm -hmm. my dad was using medical marijuana and stuff and Mm -hmm. i was like well i guess i'll try it because it's legal in canada but it's not legal in asia so you can't do anything in korea or Mm -hmm. in japan right oh okay Um, and so I was very doubtful. I mean, like I went there being like, yeah, this leaf that grows out of the ground is going to cure me when, Mm -hmm. when I'm taking, you know, before opioids, like there's no way this could help. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it was unbelievable what it did for me. Mm -hmm. It was like my personality was just the only thing left. Mm -hmm. It's like it sloughed away all that negative emotion that I had. Oh, blew right. my mind i was I that's the that's the question i was going to ask you and i i hate bringing it up because i have my main affiliates are cbd companies mm-hmm. um so i hate because uh, it's not a sales thing i'm, I'm genuinely curious so yeah. marijuana you were do you continue to smoke that to this day and is it with thc or is it just cbd not or? in japan no it's not it's you not, can't no. You can't, no. and if you get caught with it, or if you anything with it, it's yeah. like they have really high incrimination rates. Country, I, yeah. We can't risk that at all. Yeah. It's unfortunate, yeah. but that but is what I what is. I will say though mm-hmm. is that I can't like I can't smoke very well mm-hmm. because I don't smoke cigarettes. So mm-hmm. in Toronto, I mostly did edibles mm-hmm. or like oils. Mm-hmm. Yes, which were unbelievably amazing. Mm-hmm. I, I couldn't believe it because the first time I tried to smoke something, I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm gonna die. Like I couldn't. Like I just. Can't smoke anything, right? <laughs> Um, so I was like really amazed at the, that the CBD can do something and mm-hmm. help me sleep through yeah. the night. Yeah. Like, wow, like I'm taking Ambien, which mm-hmm. is prescription. So I have a prescription doctor here mm-hmm. who, um, a specialist in EDS. The first time you ever had one for your condition. Yeah. I mean, yeah. it's such a rare condition that like, even in Canada, I didn't have a specialist mm-hmm. and I was only diagnosed properly mm-hmm. when I was like 15 after mm-hmm. like my third shoulder dislocation and MRIs and like kneecap, just knees, just like, it was a mess. But in Japan, there's a specialist and he gave me, I have three types of medication, Lyrica, which is for anti-seizures and it's supposed to be for like fibro. It, it breaks that chronic pain loop. Okay. Because even when I'm not necessarily dislocating something, my body's still looping that pain that I've had since I was a baby, you mm-hmm. know, like forever. And then I have a, an NSAID, which is a non, yeah, non-steroidal, like it's like a, a better version of um, super Advil. Super Advil. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. And then I take stomach medication because that eats away at my stomach. So right. I have those. That's it. Which one is Ambien? That's a sleep medication. That's so, the sleep. Okay. But it doesn't make you sleep. 
it's um it's Hypnotic. for your brain mm-hmm. so it keeps your brain from mm-hmm. like overthinking and stuff so yeah. i take half pills yeah. and i do those every like three days if i haven't slept because mm-hmm. people don't realize how important sleep is so mm-hmm. when you go three days without sleeping you start thinking really horrible stuff. here's the next book right. i'm reading <laughs> why, we why we sleep I just started it like maybe 10 minutes before this call. Yeah. Really? Let me, let me know how it is. I, I might actually uh, try that out. There's a bunch of books like on uh, how to lucid dream. You can like help yourself actually lucid dream. You know, when you're in actually know you're in a dream. Simon's really get more work. Yeah. You can get more work done while you're asleep. It's great. Um, so, so with, with marijuana, cause a friend of mine who also has EDS, she has to go to the States to like Buffalo cross the border to get medication and smuggle it back into Canada for her what? pain. It's, it's not, I don't know with a medication, but it's not legal here. She has okay. to go. Yeah. Which is, it just reminds me of the whole marijuana deal. Um, right. So well, the plus side is that um, CBD, not mm-hmm. THC related, but like hemp oil and CBD mm-hmm. has become legal in Japan. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a giant company called Densu and Densu is like a giant advertising firm in Japan. Mm-hmm. And we were walking through one of our stations like Roppongi. Yeah. There's this huge ad and it's mm-hmm. like CBD. And the problem is that Japan was a really big user of marijuana. Mm-hmm. They have massive hemp fields and yeah. it was a big part of their culture. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like that whole idea of like, it's bad came across. Then America you know, like pushed it on pushed to it the rest of the world to say right. And yeah. so it became very illegal. Mm-hmm. But now they're slowly starting to make a comeback with the CBD. So mm-hmm. no of the like no crazy silly stuff and no smoking, but mm-hmm. like an oil. Mm-hmm. Um, so we saw that like advertised through Dentsu, but yeah. it is insanely expensive. Uh-huh. It's like two hundred dollars for this like tiny dainty, bottle. Tiny bottle. You know, and really? even though it's legal, we're still like a little bit nervous. I'm so scared. To, like, I what if the laws change and like they're very very know? strict. So so yeah. it, it's. Like worrisome for us but mm. when we go back to canada um mm. i'm capable and able to be able to get all the things that i need right. and it makes for like such a much better like i don't even need to take my medication right that, that's the crazy thing like mm. gosh my, my, you know like it's so frustrating so, so that's a that's a question we have to ask ourselves like we really love living in japan mm-hmm. but there is better medicine available for martina yeah. in canada these are pros and cons you have to consider about where we want to live next. Cause I know we won't live in Japan forever because we want to show people again. Yes. You could still sell everything and start a fresh. We'll keep doing this every five years or so. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's worth considering. Yeah. And I think like, as we get older, I just have to consider like how much, like I love Japan and I love exploring it. I love ramen and like, I'm really enjoying this. So basically for me, I'm going, I love this. And then here's my incapable pain that I can't deal with. And yeah. until it becomes like this, yeah. I don't want it to get to here because then it's too late. I yeah. want to get to like here and say, okay, Ducky, right. we got to go back to Canada yeah. because right. Canada opening up and legalizing it is like it's such a powerful thing. For it's, your condition, it's a really big and, deal. And it's really starting to ripple across Asia. Like mm-hmm. Thailand's considering making it legal. Korea's making it legal Korea for marijuana, for, for medical, medical use. purposes. Like, yeah. like this will change so many things because wow. I have like my EDS specialist here, I meet all the other people with EDS. And the first thing he says is like, for your age, he goes, you're the only person I know that isn't in a wheelchair yet. Because I just refuse to, it's nothing wrong with wheelchairs. I just refuse to give up, like mm-hmm. to, right. to, to, to be like, I can't do anything. Mm-hmm. Like I just refuse to do that. And I know that there'll be a point where I'll have to use mobility aids. Mm-hmm. Like I use canes and I have tons of braces and I have rib braces and I use compression okay. shoes. You have your emo wristband. My emo wristband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. 
you know, and, and I, my pacing has slowed down and I have to bring my pillow with me everywhere I travel. And I have like, you know, there's all that stuff, but, but right now it's painful, but I can manage it. Mm -hmm. So okay. I, I want to make sure that I can always keep that manageable mm -hmm. and go on adventures at the same time. I don't mm -hmm. want to just say, you know, I'm too scared to get hurt and, mm -hmm. and sit down. Yeah. Got you it. Know? Uh, just from the, cause those are some of my most popular videos is the CBD mm. um, and the comments and people that have come out saying that it's like not only for pain, but for anxiety too yeah. and depression, yeah. massive and the oils yeah. and you, the edibles and you can smoke it, you can vape it. It's just like out mm. of this world. It's, I got flavored ones. It's a spearmint. It's like Rub unbelievable. It <laughs> yeah, you got it good over there. I am so sorry. Um, just, uh, I guess let's finish off by, I'm just, as, I'm just really curious. At the beginning, you said, you know, it's tough to admit, and I could see this, tough to admit that other countries do things better mm -hmm. than, than the, your home, home country. What are mm -hmm. some things, and I, I've, I've, you know, heard things from people who have visited Tokyo but not lived there for quite some time like you guys. What are some things you really find that Tokyo's doing like really well? And when you move there and to this day, you're still like, damn, that's amazing. Okay, can I go first? Go I'll right go ahead, girl. You got it. Seasonal right. produce. Seasonal produce. They don't do any, like, we have cherry, uh, what's it called? Strawberry season. Uh, it's just about to finish. Yeah. And that's fucking it. Yeah. We don't have any more strawberries for the whole year. Yeah. Like, we may, maybe you can buy import strawberries, but no one does. There's cherry season. There's apple season. Yeah. There's tomato, tomato season. season. You know. you, the, the amount of everything that went into making this fruit for this one time yeah. or this vegetable, mm -hmm. it's like a fucking explosion in your mouth. You've yeah. never had a tomato, my friend. Yeah. You've never had a tomato. Oh we don't gosh. even eat tomatoes with anything on them. Like, yeah. we buy particular tomatoes. Just slice a tomato and eat it yeah, on its own. Like, and it's what? a delicious... I know, because like Ontario tomatoes eat them, it's just like wet mush. Really, like, like there's not much flavor. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'd have to like it, it put a little salt and pepper, and then you know what I mean? There's so you think that's, yeah. uh, that's, uh, that's something they're doing well, but you know, here I think of, oh, it's amazing because you can, you can have cherries all year round. You can have bananas yeah. all year round, but you well, think... Thing. Yeah. I used to think the exact same thing. But you would we, rather have, have it at separate, it's seasonal times, but have a better quality product. That yep. tastes delicious. Yeah, and it really makes mm -hmm. you appreciate it. So mm -hmm. like when when subak, oh, that's Japanese. When um, suika is watermelon. 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 When watermelon season comes around, okay, you're like, you, you hear the cicadas because it's summertime. So it's yeah. like, me, 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 me. And then you see watermelon stand come out at yeah. the grocery store. And we're like, oh, it's watermelon season. It's like, like it's, every it's month, it's like a Christmas kind of excitement you know? for the new fruit that comes back, you know? Whoa. And, and every single izakaya or every single store will be like obsessed with what they have at the time. So mm -hmm. when you go for sushi, mm -hmm. they'll do seasonal sushi. So mm -hmm. like people think that like, you know, there's particular sushis you can eat, mm -hmm. but not in Japan. Yeah. If you go in November, if you go in March, if you go in April, you're going to get all different things that are available. Mm -hmm. And so they're all excited. So every chef will be like, this is tomato season. So we're doing tomato this, tomato that. Mm -hmm. So it's constantly like uh, refreshing your mm -hmm. imagination and excitement mm -hmm. for what you can do with things. Unbelievable. You know? me, I'm going to say the best, the thing that Japan does really well is um, obeying the law. <laughs> 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 like people here like don't steal stuff like you could leave your you could drop your wallet and it will be returned to you with all your money intact like people don't like there's there's do, do people lock their bikes do people lock their bikes or no 
have to. Like, there's plenty of times that I don't. Like, Martina says you should, but I, I don't. I don't. <laughs> Lots of times I don't. People don't steal stuff The here. only reason you're supposed to lock your bikes mm. is because drunk old men will come out of the bar and they'll just mm. grab whatever bike yeah. and then they mm. take the bike home yeah. and then usually they have to return it to the police and uh. the police call the like registration yeah. like, we got your bike. But People it's not malicious, don't right? People steal shit. They don't break stuff here. There's like vandalism. There's no graffiti. Well, there's like little bits, but like barely anything. Mm. It's like people are like... They respect each other. There's like barely any car honking. People drive calmly. No one they spits or dumps their gum. And there's yeah. a place for smoking. There's no littering. You won't find cigarette butts <laughs> anywhere. It's like people care about the place that they live in and they like respect their yeah. neighbor. It's quiet. You step outside of our house, won't hear anyone talking. No music blaring. It's just a very respectful society. And I love that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> <laughs> that's I've heard I that is one thing uh, that I've heard um the the cleanliness would you say it's a very orderly culture in society it's like you know what I mean in line. Train, trains on time there's sometimes we take a train from Tokyo down to Kyoto and it's uh, the like train, the bullet train is like two and a half hours or two hours and 40 minutes and sometimes we'll get an announcement when we pull in they're like I'm really sorry to say this, but we are 50 seconds late. Um, if you like, we could write you. Know, 50 seconds they apologize for. That's how, okay, that's how on it they are here. That is amazing. Simon would take the bus in Pickering. We take the bus to the GO station. Yeah. Then he would take the GO train to Union. Then he would take station. Union to U of T. Yeah. And like, if it said it was coming at nine or 10, like that's just like, <laughs> I would take the bus to Crippling Station, right? So I'd wait yep. for the bus, wait for like the Martin Grove bus. It would never be on time. I yeah. would guess between if I should wait at that stop or yeah. if I should run down to the Kipling stop, which had more. Yeah. And you'd be like, can I make it? Yeah. And then you'd run and then you'd see the other bus. And you're like, mother, and it would never stop for you. Like, you know. <laughs> I can go to ATMs here and not look over my shoulder. It's lovely. Oh my gosh. I Well, in, in Toronto, I will nine out of 10 times, I'll just walk or bike because the transit, it's like, it'll take you an hour 40 to get to Bloor or an yeah. hour to get to Bloor. I'm like, I might as well walk. It's going to take me an hour 10, you know? Yeah. Exactly. When we were visiting Toronto, we walked yeah. Bloor and we would be yeah. like, oh crap, we're already at Ossington. Like we yeah. didn't even notice, like we we're so used to walking mm -hmm. because, you know, you walk a lot in Tokyo yeah. and we would just realize that Bloor is super accessible that you don't need to take the transportation anymore. Now our, right. our guess, the reason why it's so orderly here is because it's so dense. Like I think a lot of crimes are crimes of opportunity and whenever like there's like not that much population density, then people feel more opportunistic in order to break something, steal something or mug someone. Mm. But here it's like, you, you're never you're alone. Never alone. <laughs> people are out at all times of day. So I think there's less chances for people to be mischievous here. Right, so I, right. And, really and right. And I just, the one last question, which I'm really curious about, and it's a really simple answer. In Toronto and anywhere you go, really, um, I see a sidewalk as another uh, road. So if you're walking, <laughs> stick to the right. And then yep. the other people are coming on the left. And if you want to yep. pass, you pass walking on the left and stick to the yep. right. Are yep. people on the sidewalk left and right like that? Oh, right. Okay. So do they stick the to their side when walking? Yep. No way. Okay. I'm moving. I'm oh, moving. Over. It's great. No, you can't bring your CBD. Stay there. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'd smug. Oh, yeah. I'd be arrested. The escalators in Japan, when you're in like a 
if you go, wait, so Tokyo and most places, mm-hmm. you stand on the left. Every single person that gets on the escalator stands on the left. Mm-hmm. If you want to go up walking, you go on the right. Mm-hmm. Nobody stands side by side mm-hmm. and you never have to go, <clears throat> excuse me. Like no. it never yeah. happens. And if, if you are in Kyoto uh, or Osaka, it's switched. Mm-hmm. So everyone stands on the right and you walk on the left, but it is like instant. And that was a real shock for us coming yeah. from Korea because the one thing Korea doesn't quite have down yet is its organization. Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more of a rough and tumble society right mm-hmm. now, which is mm-hmm. great. Mm-hmm. But when we got older, we were like, I'm kind of I'm over too this. Over this shit. Like people yeah, would yeah. Uh, you know, stand wherever or like yeah. the train doors open. And even if you're there, they're mm-hmm. like, I don't care. And yeah. so it was very frustrating. But in Japan, you have like organized lines, the doors open. Everyone in Japan, the, the, the dogs don't even bark. <laughs> I don't know how they do what? it. Are here? No way. They squeeze a water bottle yeah. to dilute the pee. While in Toronto, you're worried about like people not picking up their dog. I'm stepping curry. in shit. I'm stepping in shit in Toronto here. Here they'll spray down the their dog urine with water. They'll bring the so they that like it doesn't bottle. stain yeah. or anything. It's oh my gosh. What does yeah. a sidewalk look like when there's no gum uh, on it? You know what I mean. You could see a reflection. I I definitely because my next vacation because um, my brother's been to Tokyo. A friend of mine uh, is fluent in Japanese and Mandarin, and he mm. went to he went to York University. Um, no, but York. yeah, yeah, he did East Asian studies, and he's been studying for like eight years almost. So yeah. he like he's like yeah, I'd move there in a heartbeat. So yep. I'm definitely gonna visit. You got me pumped up. Um, awesome. Send us an email. We'll show you some good stuff. No, for sure. And we'll do some mindful eating. And and that would be incredible. Because I finally just learned to enjoy ramen. I was never a ramen guy. I was always a pho guy. The Vietnamese soup. Um, And ramen, it was just like, I didn't get it. And what I did is I was like, everyone would go for ramen. And I'm like, well, I want to enjoy it. So I literally just kept forcing myself to eat it. That's what I did Mm -hmm. with olives. I'm like, olives look like a cool food. Let me yeah, try. I tried. Still, I can't keep get going. It. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> He's so tried around the globe. I went to like <laughs> Rome and Barcelona and I just ate so many of them. And if I can't like them there, I'm not sure where I can like them. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You're right. It just might not be for you. Simon, yeah. don't, don't feel too bad, man. You like a lot of other I, foods. Even my honest all. I you did. Really <laughs> you did. But I can't I argue with that. that. When it comes to ramen, mm. I think you'll have a different time in Japan because we also thought that we understood mm. ramen. Like the first mm. time I had ramen in Japan, in uh, Canada, it was in Markham. My friend Mickey took me to like, you know, mm. J-Town area. And I was like, what's this big deal that everyone's talking about? But turns out it's totally different in Japan. Mm-hmm. And it's not just like, ramen doesn't mean ramen. Ramen is like saying cereal. Mm-hmm. It's like saying, I really like cereal. And you're like, yes, but what kind? Uh-huh. And you're like, oh, cereal. And you're like, do you like Lucky Charms? Do you like Cinnamon Toast Cinnamon Crunch? Toast crunch? Like right. Sugar? Yes and yes. Ramen is different. Some are thin, like the broth is salty. Mm -hmm. Some is miso-based. Some is tonkotsu, which is that fatty, Mm -hmm. oily kind. Everyone seems to go for the fatty, oily kind Mm -hmm. in North America. Yeah. It's like every shop makes that fatty. Yes, they they use the pork belly. Yeah, yeah. But that's not the truth in Japan. In Japan, there's a million different kinds. So tantan men, like where it's spicy, makes your tongue numb. Mm -hmm. Cold ones, ones where you dip into the broth. So it's really like a whole brand new world, kind of like kimchi in, in Korea is like bread. If you try one kimchi you don't like, that's only one. You yeah. need to try every kimchi of the rainbow because yeah. they're always different, you know? Right. And I don't like miso soup at all, but is that a big difference, miso soup here compared to yeah. Japan? Yeah. 
I did not like miso soup in Canada either. So I totally understand what yeah. you're on about. But come yeah. here, it's a very yeah. different thing. I remember you saying it was like kind of like it tasted like salty, like snotty, like it just tasted like nothing to him. Yeah. Like, that's yeah. right. It was just like a salty, uh, almost old kind of. Yeah, taste, it's like you know? old. It tastes like, like old. old. <laughs> 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 exactly. That's exactly yeah. it. Um, no, it's very, guys, very different. I know we've run over time. Uh, thank you, Simon and Martina, for your time, uh, for giving us some mental health tools, for for opening up about depression, chronic illness, physical and mental. Simon, for sharing your your story and and what it's like uh, being the best friend and husband, and and your stories about Tokyo and how you guys stay so positive. And we didn't really get into your YouTube content, but all the links are below, everyone, and um, join join their community. Your videos, yeah. I think, is that's what YouTube is all about. The community that you've started and maintained and the vulnerability and, and you don't have that forced positivity on YouTube. It's like it's kind of like this is this is the way it is, you know? Yeah. And yeah. and I absolutely yeah. love that. I Thank absolutely you. love it. Um, it's so, scary. That vulnerability is is really scary to put out there. And like even with these new videos that we're doing lately, when we're talking more about Martina's condition, it's every video we're terrified, or I'm terrified to put up. I think you're a little bit better with it, but I'm very scared every time I post a video. So, but I, I think you've you've your audience has proven, and you've proven that people are thirsty for this kind of thing. They're thirsty for vulnerability and, and hearing the truth from creators. Like uh, that's what we, people love, and I think you'll only get more support. Thank you. It's for too long, like just very quickly for too long. I think people have been um, looking at people on the platform as like um, ideal models about mm -hmm. like what they wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And those people weren't showing that they're tired or they're exhausted or mm -hmm. they're sick or they have depression. And mm -hmm. so it was not real. Mm -hmm. you, you can't be like this every day. And mm -hmm. then if you think, well, I can't be like that, then you get down on yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you look up to me and I go, hang on, I'm not posting because I'm cranky. And like, this is the truth. And like my arm hurts and I'm tired and like send me dog pictures. Then they go, Oh, well, that's normal because I have those that. days too. Yeah, that's, that's right. Fine. And I just saw on your community tab, you just post that like, hey, for the next week, we won't be, you know, uh, posting as much and yeah. involved as much because we're dealing with this arm, which I didn't fully ask about. Um, but uh, well, well, there'll, be a, there'll be a part two to this. You'll, you'll come on again when, we, when I visit Tokyo. Yeah. yeah. All right. So thank you, everyone. Uh, this has been Scott and Martina and Simon. From depression to expression, check out their channel. Thanks a lot. Take care. Stay strong. Keep being you. And don't forget to express yourself. <laughs>